And now, a native podcast with Matt and Zach. And welcome back, everybody, to another Unnative podcast. I am Zach, and with me, as always, is our good pal, Matt Buddy. Matt Buddy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, man. Just just got through our first little heat wave out here in Oregon for a few days. So it was right. didn't quite hit 100. They thought it was going to hit 100, but I think 97 was about what it topped out here. So that's crazy, man. It's not, it hasn't been hot here yet. It's been about 70s. It's going to get up a little bit warmer here uh, soon this summer, kind of middle July uh, when we're recording this. Um, and it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful Montana kind of late summer uh, kind of coming up on us. But I think soon once it'll hit, I think August, September will be pretty hot. Um, should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's what, that's what that is, man. Um, but that we're not here to talk weather in our beautiful places. We're here to say, hello, how are you doing? Welcome back to another, a native podcast where we bring you native topics and native discussions and native people. And, uh, we talk about tribes and everything in between and, uh, topics, you know, no, no stranger. Today's topic is about, uh, healthcare. Uh, we'll get into that here soon. Um, which will be fun. I mean, it's always a good topic, but Matt, buddy, Matt, buddy, you always start us off with a fact and you have a good, cool story that happened that we could inform the viewers about 2023 summer. What's going down in Browning, Montana, more specifically Glacier National Park. What's going down? I was going to say, speaking of your Montana land there, uh, the Blackfeet Nation, for folks that hadn't heard, uh, basically... I be, from my understanding, transferred their bison from their tribal um, ranch. There you go, Blackfeet Indians, uh, right to that area. That they're technically wild where they removed them to, and they're the first tribally managed, like reintroducing them to as a wild status bison oh, wow. within, within their lands. And uh, they're right below that chief mountain, which I know, I know, Zach, you and your family are part Blackfeet as well and and uh, it's a very sacred area to the Blackfeet people so oh, yeah done a couple ceremonies up there um cool spot cool so I know exactly where you're talking about with these bison I I you know I was always like I thought the Blackfeet had bison and I guess it must have been like more of the farmed bison or the controlled bison so this one's more wild which is curious because I did on our other podcast, Wandering Ways with Mark Buddy, uh, we go ahead and we talk to the American Prairie Reserve, who's also up here in Montana in the Fort Peck uh, area. And they have the bison and help, they help tribes reintroduce them and they help breed. Oh, like cool. they'll take their bison to like Oglala and breed them there. So that way, like you're not getting like inbred kind of bison with these herds. That's good that, working with the tribes too, because they're oh, a yeah. non-native group from my understanding. So. Um, if you watch the National Geographic America the Beautiful documentary, I believe it came out last summer, 2022. Um, and it it actually has the Rocky Boy tribe here in Montana uh, kind of celebrating the release of the bison out onto their prairie and oh, how wow. kind of the prairie, you know, the tribe there. So it's kind of, it's really neat to see, um, and there's more information and more to learn, but um, we're not going to talk about that today. We are going to talk about um, the healthcare system and the wonders of IHS, Indian Healthcare Service, if you don't know what IHS stands for, um, and everything in between, you know, kind of the histories, what kind of led up to that, what kind of is included, you know, because there's a lot of like kind of bullshit i should say you know to keep it kind of just a good way of saying it that people think with health <laughs> well in in more ways than one you know i say bullshit native people are laughing like yeah i know i deal with bullshit at the ihs all the time but also people that you know think oh yeah we have health care but do we have free health care you know is it is it that much better you know you look at some of these rural areas some of these areas the funding 
even don't get me started. I mean, uh, and and kind of the work we do, you know, one of the things we encourage people to do, encourage natives to do specifically, is when you're filling out the census form is to fill out one or more races. Uh, not one or more, just just one race and and preferably your native race. Because when IHS goes to Congress and asks for funding, the number used is that alone number. They don't take the two or more races. So if you're native and black, native, Hispanic, native and white, like some of us are, um, it doesn't get counted. So even though you may be enrolled and entitled to those services, um, the funding isn't quite there. Um, and that, you know, that's one of the things. And then there's just different run organizations uh, through it. And we're going to get into all that. Um, but those are kind of some of my initial thoughts when we get into the, the healthcare subject. Um, Matt, what, what about you? What are, what are some of your initial thoughts when it comes to the healthcare? Yeah, you know, um, I know you're going to get into it real shortly here with uh, the history and back to the treaties and the origins of, you know, the healthcare obligations to tribes, but, you know, they're they're not just one system, you know, people, viewers listening will be like, oh, my tribe does it this way. Well, some other tribes, they even offer care to non-natives too. Um, The way their center got built or grants and it it varies. There's different models to look at. So, Right. And, and, you know, when it comes to mind, I think one of the models, and I hope we talk about it later, I did find some uh, some conversation about it, but one of the pinnacle models is the campus up there in Alaska oh, yeah. uh, at yeah. the at the Alaska Native Health, I think, Institute, or um, it's a really nice medical facility, and that's kind of the gold star standard when you look at these healthcare, and you look at, like, some of the things, you know, that encompass those those greater Native beliefs when you look at Indian country as a whole, right? the like holistic mind, uh, the mind, body, spirit conversations, the various different, um, you know, behavioral health uh, messaging. And this is the different messaging that we have and the way we're active in our communities that the healthcare is almost a part of being, you know, it's one of those parts of our body, you know, our mental health, our physical health and our overall well-being. you know, that positive mindset that we can have as native people we do have, and you see it come out. Um, all the time, uh, which is great. But yeah, I'll get into the history here, if you don't mind. Um, I found this on the Karuk uh, uh, natives, K-A-R-U-K. They had a history, and it's it's an older one. This one was written in like 1991 is when oh. I found this document. But see, that's the thing is, is you got you to gotta dive in Indian country. You got to find these articles because I think it really does a good job explaining the history of health service, you know, especially the older history that, you know, we don't quite understand and know the stuff that isn't taught in the history books, you know. So here, here's how it goes. Health service for American Indians began in the early 1800s when U.S. Army physicians took steps to curb smallpox and other contagious diseases among Indian tribes living in the vicinity, vicinity of military posts. Treaties committing the federal government to provide health service were introduced in 1832. Winnebago's was promised physician care as a partial payment for rights and property ceded to the U.S. government. Of the 400 treaties negotiated with Indian tribes from 1778 to 1871, approximately two, they spelled two, T-O-W, two dozen provided some kind of medical service, although most treaties impose the limits of five to 20 years for provision of care. The federal government adopted the policy of continuing services after the original benefit period had expired. The transfer of Bureau of Indian Affairs from the War Department to the Department of Interior in 1849 stimulated the extension of physician services to Indians by emphasizing non-military aspects of the Indian administration and by developing a core of civilian field employees. Within 25 years, half the Indian agencies had a physician, and by 1900, the Indian Medical Service employed 83 physicians, including those providing part-time services. Nurses were added to the staff in the 1890s and grew from 8 in 1895 to 25 in 1900, with practically all of them assigned to Indian boarding schools. 
Beginning in 1891, field matrons were employed to teach sanitation and hygiene, provide emergency nursing services, and prescribe medicine for minor illnesses. These activities were later taken over by the public health nurses. Indian Bureau policy by the 1800s clearly dictated physicians to promote preventative activities, but efforts were limited until well after the turn of the century due to the pressure of curative work. The first federal hospital built for Indians was constructed in the 1880s in Oklahoma, and a concentrated movement was underway before 1900 to establish hospitals and infirmaries on every reservation and at every boarding school. The reason for construction were because of the isolation in which Indians live, the lack of nearby facilities and home conditions in which made prescribing a course of treatment outside a hospital often useless and sometimes dangerous to the patient. Professional medical supervision of the Indian Health Services was begun in 1908 with the establishment of the position of Chief Medical Supervisor and was strengthened in the 1920s by the creation of the Health Division and appointment of district medical doctors. The first appropriation earmarked specifically for general health services to Indians was made in 1911. In 1926, medical officers of the Public Health Service Commission Corps were, de were detailed to certain positions in the program. Dental services were, were organized in 1913 with the assignment of five uh, dentists to visit reservation schools. Pharmacy services were organized in 1953 with, with PH Pharmacy. Officers assigned to headquarters, areas, and hospitals to develop and institute dispensing packaging and distribution policies and practices. Until the 1920s, sanitation services did not extend beyond occasional cleanup campaigns and physician inspection of homes, schools, and Indian agencies. In 1928, sanitary engineers of public health services began assisting the Bureau of Indian Affairs in surveying water and sanitation systems and investigating other basic sanitation problems, usually restricted to Bureau installations. An expanding program to help improve sanitation in individual homes was begun in 1950. In 1955, Congress transferred responsibility for Indian health from the Department of Interior to Public Health Service. At that time, both medical facilities and personnel were inadequate to meet the health needs of American Indians. The initial program priorities for the Public Health Service's new division of Indian health were to assemble an, a competent health staff, establish adequate facilities where services could be provided, institute extensive curative treatment for many Indians who were seriously ill, develop and initiate full-scale preventative programs, which would reduce the excessive amounts of illness of, and early deaths, especially from preventable diseases. Since 1955, the Division of Indian Health, now the Indian Health Service, had assumed more responsibilities and has expanded its staff from small corps of health professionals to more than 9,000 skilled and dedicated men and women, which that number is even bigger now. The number of physicians in the program has risen from 125 to 770, dentists from 40 to 250, and registered nurses from 780 to 2,000. Of its original health staff, of clinical physicians and nurses, dentists, pharmacists, sanitary engineers, the program has added field health physicians registered, oh yeah, field health physicians, registered medical re record administrators, public health nurses, registered dietitians, therapists, public health nutritionists, community health representatives, practical nurses, dental assistants, maternal and child health specialists, environmental sanitarians, and auxiliaries in a number of categories. So really it's grown. And it has grown and IHS to where it's at now, you know, this was, this was written in 1991, but I really like that early history because how it shows, you know, we came from kind of that war party because that's how we were treated. You know, we've always been treated as these independent nations by the United States and how they interacted with us. So they, that's, you know, Lewis and Clark, that was a war party because it was a group of military men. Um, and part of and how they would camp was in a war party style um or a military style and dealing with us that way and just how it changed you know it changed hands and it's always kind of been shitty you know it sounds like it sounds like they never got the best here <laughs> well no i mean the the good news now is like i mean we'll get more into it you're gonna dive into it more but there are these programs now with like the amount of native doctors we're seeing i mean i've even seen it going to grand ronde like last year there was one native doctor there and now there's three right like and they're all from different none of them are from grand ronde which is funny but like 
it's it you know that work is there and you have the american indian physician association now and indians into medicine program which is really big and that's that's helped increase the number of native doctors now no and you and you see a lot of natives pursuing that higher education because we do value education you know you it is a goal of those to graduate and to go on and pursue you know you hear it within indian country which is great to hear you know well, it's, it's um, and you hear you hear the elders always oh, go get an education what it's not just like for a while there a lot of it was nursing was the heavy one and then now there's like a lot of native doctors and i know your wife you know thea is i mean no but you're right though it's the but but arguably too a part of that was was the tribal colleges right and how tribal colleges were two-year colleges so you'd get like a two-year nursing degree or a two-year and how that grows right and then it extends beyond that even and and you see a lot of native people i think they go to they go into college you know with hopes and dreams of coming back to the reservation right. you you see it right and and helping with these programs or helping their communities or their tribes you see that a lot where i'm gonna go do this and then come back here and make it better right um what's here is the doctor nurse uh growth with the native community has extended to even like nutrition or counseling and like there's so many more natives doing that now because they see that like hey we need all of these parts make up a whole for health well and, and they're filling them on in, with not only that, but with those needs, knowing the community needs that, you know, we need those, you know, we have high diabetes, high health, this, you know, we need the healthcare people, the nutritionists, the stuff that can help us. And we're seeing that, which is awesome and amazing to see. You're seeing it in those, uh, the health facilities being built, the physical centers uh, being built, the health mm -hmm. clinic centers, all that, you know, uh, what are those, what, what are the, like the recreation centers called? They have a oh. name. Oh, geez. Wellness. Uh, health wellness and wellness center. Wellness yeah. center. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm blanking. What the hell? Um, but you've seen a lot of wellness centers being built now, um, which is great. Yeah. You know, uh, locations of them. I, you know, like I, I hear the Fort Peck one is like, well, why didn't they put it more point? Why is it in Poplar? You know, the Poplar's the tribal headquarters makes sense. Right. But like, you know, like Browning has all that stuff for like the Blackfeet up there. Uh, different tribes have different, different things, different centers. Some of them have multiple centers. You go down to Navajo oh. for sure. I got a few. Um, go ahead. Getting into kind of a brief history. And this one, this one was written, this article was written in um, 2014. It was the American Indian Health Policy, Historical Trends and Contemporary Issues written by Donald Wayne and Linda Frizzle. Um, and it kind of goes into a policy history and it goes into some of the acts, right? I, that I read that article in school in one of my classes. Because right. Donald Warren is from my tribe and he's a very okay. doctor in Indian guy. Yeah, small world, right? <laughs> right, exactly. No, it's a good this is a really good article when you look at it. Um so policy history, a defiance of resources has plagued the provisions of health services to American Indian and Alaska Native persons since the last treaties were signed in 1871. For example, according to the 1890 annual report of the Commissioner of Indian Fair Physician working with Indian populations, were paid an average salary of 1,028 compared to with 2,023 and 2,000 622 for Army and Navy physicians, respectively. In 1914, Warren K. Moorhead, a commissioner for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, stated that it is incomprehensible to me that the appropriations for combating disease are so meager. Unfortunately, underfunding of the IHS continues to this day. However, numerous laws passed in the 20th century have significant impact on the way health services are provided to AIAN persons. Several of them, including the Snyder Act, Transfer Act, Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act, and, health and Indian Health Care Improvement Act are described here. These four laws encompass only a small portion of the exhaustive list of policies and laws affecting how American Indian and Alaska Native individuals receive health services. So first is the Snyder Act. Before 1955, Indian health programs were operated by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, an agency within the Department of the Interior. The Snyder Act of 1921 states that 
the Bureau of Indian Affairs under the supervision of the Secretary of Interior shall direct, supervise, and have and expend such monies as Congress may from time to time appropriate for the benefit, care, and assistance of the Indians throughout the United States. This was the law, first law that allowed Congress to appropriate funds to address American Indian Alaska Native health on a recurring basis. Included in a list of acceptable uses of congressional appropriations was for the relief of distress and conservation of health and for the employment of physicians. The funding authority may of the current activities of this I, of the IHS is rooted in the Snyder Act. And that's also why it's really good to have Deb Holland, a native person in Secretary of Interior, someone who understands like these systems. Uh, then the Transfer Act. The Indian Health Program became a responsibility of the Public Health Service under the Transfer Act of 1954. The act states that all functions, responsibilities, authorities, and duties relating to the maintenance and operation of hospital and health facilities for Indians and the conservation of Indian health service. The act also states that whenever the health needs of the Indians can better be met by the secretary is authorized in his discretion to either into contracts with any institution providing for the transfer of Indian hospitals or health facilities with the condition that such transfer cannot be made unless such action has been approved by the governing body of the tribe. This language recognized tri tribal sovereignty and afforded a degree of tribal self-determination in a health policy decision-making. Uh, the authorities contained in the Snyder Act were also transferred to the Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, now HHS, Health and Human Services. Okay, then that set foot for the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act. The Indian, Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act, ISDEAA, was enacted in 1975, and it is perhaps the most significant law affecting how health services are provided to American Indians and Alaska Native tribes. This act is the basis for authorizing tribes to assume the management of BIA and IHS programs and it directs the Secretaries of Interior and Health and Human Services to enter into program function service or activity of the IHS can be assumed by the tribe under a 638 contract. Under Title I of the ISE, ISDEAA, a tribe may become a federal contractor to provide services as outlined in the IHS line item budget for a given service unit, clinic, or hospital. Under Title V of ISDEAA, the funding agreement is a 638 compact and is essentially a block grant for a total budget amount and the tribes have a greater flexibility in reprogramming resources to meet local health needs. Several financial and administrative advantages are available to tribes via ISDEAA. Carryover funding, third-party revenue, eligibility for grants, contract support costs, um, more than half the IHA, but IH, IHS budget is now managed by tribes under ISDEAA. Although there are numerous examples of successfully implementing tribal health programs, some tribal leaders have expressed concerns over contracting or compacting for services that are chronically and significantly underfunded. Um, and then we also had the Indian Healthcare Improvement Act. The Indian Healthcare Improvement Act, IHCIA, was enacted in 1976 and was instrumental in setting national policy to improve health of Indian people. The language regarding the responsibility of the United States to maintain and improve the health of American Indian and Alaska Native persons was needed to enhance the intent of previous laws expanding and describing modern health services. Title V of IHCIA establishes the urban Indian health programs, of which there are 34 nationally. This also includes the initial authorization that IHS and tribal 638 health programs to bill Medicare and Medicaid. Since 1976, reimbursements for Medicare and Medicaid and children's health insurance programs have aided Indian healthcare programs to expand access to its services. Uh, ITU, Healthcare Delivery and Funding Authorities. With, a, with the legislative initiatives of the 20th century, 20th century, cent, Century, man, I'm getting <laughs> today. Uh, the provision of services in American Indian and Alaska Native persons have evolved significantly. The healthcare and delivery system is now described as the ITU uh, system 
in which I represents IHS, T represents tribal, pro tribal 638 programs, and U represents the urban health centers. The funding authority for IHS is rooted in both the Snyder Act and the Transfer Act. ISDEAA allows tribes to take over the management of health programs from the IHS via contracts or other compacts. And Title V of the IHCIA establishes the Urban Indian Health Center. Level of needed funded. Level of need funded. A long-standing issue in the provision of health services to AIAN persons is underfunding of the IHS. For example, between 1993 and 1998, IHS appropriations increased by 8%, while medical inflation increased by 20.6%. 20, 20 As a result, when both of the rate of medical inflation and the increases of the AIAN population were considered, there in reality was a decrease of 18% in the per capita appropriation for IHS during that period. In 1998, Congress requested that the IHS develop a report on health status resource shortages. A level of needed fund, LNF, work group was established to develop methodology for determining and appropriating funding levels for Indian health because both federal employees and American Indian persons have legal rights to health services. The LNF work group compared to IHS per capita expenditures with federal employee health benefits the FEHB plan, the LNF study in 1998 showed a 46% shortfall in funding for American Indian persons receiving care through the IHS compared to FEHB. Since the passage of IHCIA in 1976, the role of the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services in Indian health has expanded. In our experience, some tribes in the AIAN persons have been, related, have been reluctant to enroll in CMS programs for various reasons including trust issues relating to sharing personal information with non-Indian government agencies and the fact that many tribes and have treaties that ensure access to healthcare. However, these treaties are with the federal government, not the IHS and CMS, and CMS is a component of the federal government. CMS has a much larger budget than IHS, and its programs should be considered an important component of the federal trust responsibility to provide health services for many IHS and tribal service unions. The funds generated from third-party revenue exceeding the funding from direct congressional appropriations, and in most cases, Medicaid, is the primary payer because of the high rates of poverty. The percentage of AIAN adults living at or below the federal poverty level in 2009 uh, was 20.4%. It was about 2.5 times greater than the percentage of whites living at poverty, 8.4%. Medicaid expansion under the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, ACA, should increase the number of American Indian individuals eligible for and enrolled in Medicaid. This should result in an increased access to health services. However, some states have elected not to expand Medicaid. It is unclear what the impact will be on AIAN persons in those states that choose not to expand Medicaid. A separate and parallel Medicaid system exists for IHS and tribal 638 programs. States are reimbursed with 100% federal medical assistance percentage for payments made to these programs. Therefore, states' funds are used to pay for Medicaid-covered services in IHS or 638 facilities. However, the urban Indian health centers are not eligible for 100% federal medical assistance. Then we have the Affordable Care Act, right? The potential impact of that, um, which it, this is that this is written differently from that, so I don't want to read that one. Um, but yeah, no, this is a really good article about kind of some of those laws that were passed and how they affect us and how they kind of established, you know, Indian country and the effects and what is going on and where these funds are coming from and how they're underfunded and, and, and some of the issues, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I had two things here to add to all that. And I'm glad you read through all that because it, it just gives like a very good understanding of like the timeline of Indian health too uh, from the beginnings. But the first part that you spurred a thought with me was uh, some in past in the past 10 years, some tribes have sued over right. like lack of funding with IHS because that's a treaty violation. If you're not getting decent health care, that is a treaty violation. You right. Um, 
Exactly. And then, and then when Obama signed uh, the IHCIA bill into, pro, you know, how that was encompassed with, you know, the Affordable Care Act, right? Like yeah. that helped, that really, that really helped solidify, you know, oh, some of those understanding what, you know, filling these kind of voids, because really the, like these voids were bad and they're getting better. You really are seeing these tribes, like you're saying, take that on and then even take it to their, like to themselves, you know, and start running these facilities themselves uh, in some, in some cases. Great. I had, I, I had something here kind of short to add regarding the Affordable Care Act. Um, right. That was, a, that was Obama era. Did you say the year? I forget. I think it was 2010, some, somewhere around there. 2010. Uh, so this is from healthnet.com, which gives a good explanation of the Affordable Care Act, which I'm not going to read the definition, but this part was interesting. The Affordable Care Act requires individuals, uh, basically like requires they have health care insurance, right? Right. From this requirement, <clears throat> excuse me, is undocumented immigrants, incarcerated people, and people who are members of Native American tribes. And uh, it's interesting. Um, and I mean, I'll just share because like I, I currently don't have health insurance. I'm using IHS. <laughs> I'm using... Right. Um, I'm doing that. And sometimes I see a naturopath, but that's out of my own pocket. So it's interesting because for me as a young, healthy person, I'm like, I, I'm taking, like, I don't, I don't want to pay like more money. Uh, right. Insurance, but like, you know, someone who's older having access to this kind of care is like going to be more important um, to, in my mind anyway, just. No, it really is. No. Cause I like talking to Gerald about it for, so I cut my finger in, uh, I was cutting, uh, with a blender and I cut my finger. Right. So I, I, I'm in Billings where, where this happened. I have to go to, well, I went to a, a clinic. I didn't, I waited a morning and went to like the day clinic versus going to the emergency room. So I think going to the emergency room, it may have been reimbursed more. So if I would have went that night because it's an emergency or clinic then or something. Right. I went to like the like next day kind of I did with my mind too. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think what I should have done is gone gone into the emergency room to help with like the payment here. Because what happened was I have health insurance, but I also go I also use my little shell uh to help bill bill issues, you know. So whenever like I, when I went in for uh like the emergency room when I got a piece of metal stuck in my eye, I had to like go there to the emergency room and they got it out. And it I think that paid for it, but so it they didn't cover it. But if I were to live in like there's like four counties in Montana, if I in like Cascade, Blaine, you know, like Great Falls, Helena, uh Hayes, uh I think those county there's like couple counties that if you live in them you get like if you go to an outpatient <clears throat> ihs will cover it and i think yeah so i yeah so it's it's different um there because it's because we're remote we don't have a reservation right so every tribe is unique you know where some of them is like no you live in you know on this reservation you have a, a hospital to go to essentially um but like then we take wolf point like where Thea lives, uh, they have an IHS facility, but then they also have a county hospital. So the IHS is only open on government days where the county hospital is, you know, they they are open every day of the year, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving. So if you, you know, you go to the emergency room, that's the emergency room you go to. IHS is more for like appointments in that sense. So it's, it's different. And it's funny because I think of that reservation dogs episode with the IHS Mondays and it's like, yeah, Mondays are kind of that way. <laughs> like what happened on the weekend, you know? And right. And for weirdest things on Monday, ate too many hot Cheetos. I have a stomach ache. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you know there's a new native apparel company? No, I did not. It's called Shop LS574, named after the 574 federal tribes and the Little Shell descendancy of its founders. Wow, that's really cool, man. It is. It is becoming a spot to order native apparel by and for natives, working with native designers and teams to help best represent Indian country. That's awesome, dude. For sure. 
Now make sure to go pick up some Native podcast swag as well as other Native gear while shopping at shopls574.com. Oh yeah, and do not forget to use code ANP10 to save on your next order. That's ANP10. Hey Matt, did you know there's a tribally owned net company? No, I did not. Not only are they tribally owned, but Blue Ribbon Nets also creates totally sustainable products. With Blue Ribbon Nets, not only are you getting quality nets, but even eco-friendly ones as well. That's awesome, dude. It sure is indeed. Make sure to use code RUGARU10 on your next Blue Ribbon Net order to save. Again, the code is RUGARU10, R-U-G-A-R-U-1-0. I am definitely getting a Blue Ribbon Net now. Tune in every Tuesday to hear your favorite native podcast. That's right. A Native Podcast has new episodes every week, ranging from boarding schools to Indian child welfare. Not only that, but we have Indian country covered from Maine to California and Florida to Alaska, Hopi to Blackfeet and Choctaw to Clinkett, and all those Crees in between. And all you other Natives and non-Natives out there, we want to remind you to tune in this Tuesday to A Native Podcast. Is your res runner in need of new lights? Well, look no further than our friends at Oxteo, an industry leader in LED lights. Make sure to use code RUGARU on your next set of lights. That's R-U-G-A-R-U. And one of the things I recommend, too, if you guys ever have questions about this, is to dive into, like, just go to IHS.gov. They give a really good, uh, I just clicked on the About Us right here. You know, I'm on IHS. Uh, Their mission is to raise physical, mental, social, and spiritual health of American Indians and Alaska Natives to the highest level. Their vision is a health is healthy communities and quality healthcare systems throughout strong partnerships and culturally responsive practices. Strategic goals to ensure that comprehensive, culturally appropriated personal and public health services are available and accessible to American Indian and Alaska Native people to promote excellence and qualify through innovative of the Indian health system in an optimally performing organization and to strengthen IHS program management and operations. Um, The Indian Health Services is an agency within the Department of Health and Human Services, is responsible for providing federal health services to American Indians and Alaska Natives. The provision of health services to members of federally recognized tribes grew out of the special government-to-government relationships between the federal government and the Indian tribes. The relationship established in 1787 based on Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution has has been given form and substance by by numerous treaties, laws, Supreme Court, and decisions and executive orders. The IHS is principal federal health care provider and health care advocate for Indian people, and its goal is to raise their health status to the highest possible level. The IHS provides a comprehensive health service delivery system for approximately 2.6 million American Indians and Alaska Natives who belong to 574 federally recognized tribes in 37 states. They have some fact sheets uh, as well as some other information on their website, you know, uh, calendars, eligibility, key leaders, manuals, uh, their employees, their organization. Organizational structure. Some of those fact sheets include the work plan and their profile, uh, their gold book uh, into kind of a, and oh, what is IHS all about? Um, I found another good article here, um, kind of about IHS. And what I, I really I liked about it is it gave um, kind of a good introduction, gave, you know, kind of talk about the who, the who, what, where, when of IHS. So I'm going to kind of dive into it. Matt, you kind of fill in where needed. Sure. Um, we kind of have an introduction already. So, uh, the summary, the IHS provides an array of medical services, including inpatient, ambulatory, emergency, dental, public health. And this article comes, it's a, the IHS overview from 2016. Uh, emergency, dental, public health, nursing, and a preventative health care. The IHS does not have a defined medical benefit package that includes or excludes specific health services or health conditions. The majority of IHS facilities provide outpatient care, focusing on primary and preventative care, including preventative screenings and health education. IHS provides services directly 
when possible. When, when needed services are not available, IHS beneficiaries may be referred to private providers for care. This is called purchased referred care. IHS also provides a number of health services that target common conditions among IHS beneficiaries. These include services for diabetes prevention and treatment, behavioral health services, including suicide prevention and methamphetamine treatment, and programs aimed towards the prevention of infectious diseases. In addition to health services, IHS funds a number of activities related to this unique mission. These include construction and maintenance of IHS facilities, efforts to recruit and retain skilled healthcare workforce, who will work at IHS facilities and support for the overhead and expenses associated with the contracts and compacts that the IHS enters into with ITs and TOs. The federal government has a longstanding involvement in Indian health. The Indian Healthcare Improvement Act is a major authorizing for IHS. Uh, it was preceded by several laws, including more general authorization to federal Indian programs. A number of congressional committees exercise jurisdiction over legislation affecting the IHS, including in appropriations. Um, so, kind of based off that, you know, IHS does not offer a standard of medical benefits or services at its facilities. Rather than available services vary by facility, these services are provided free to eligible American Indians and Alaska Natives also called IHS beneficiaries. Regardless of their ability to pay, in general, IHS provide facilities provide health and health education services that provide focus on primary and preventative care. These services are available through a system of facilities operated by IHS in an IT and TO or UIO. These facilities are also referred, commonly referred to as ITU, IHS Tribal Urban. They are referred to as a collective collective as IHS funded facilities in this report. So this was a report done. Um, it's, it's interesting. I like the definitions. Uh, it gives some good definitions of, of what, what these people are and, and who you go can go to IHS facilities, you know? So it's not, you know, not all natives can go to IHS facilities. You can be native, but you might not be able to go to certain facilities. Um, the IHS user population uh, is defined as self-identified American Indian and Alaska Native population because not all self-identified American Indians and Alaska Natives are eligible for IHS services. Specifically, more people self-identify as being American Indian and Alaska Native than are eligible for and or receive services at IHS. Uh, um, and some... IHS definition... Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, some too, I, I know with the older population and veterans, uh, some of them will utilize the VA sometimes. Like my, my dad does that because he has right. both. So he's like, I'm, Cal Creek, Umqua, they have just a tiny little clinic. I'll just go to the VA and get everything done there. So well, and exactly. But the VA, and, and for those who are familiar with the VA, but not familiar with IHS, they're kind of similar in the sense of how they're run. Very much. Yeah. you know, and how they operate. So you kind of hear, you know, the VA stories, well, IHS stories are very, <laughs> makes sense. They both started out in the military, right? Right. Um, so IHS uses the definition in section four of the Indian Healthcare Improvement Act, which defines Indians as any person who is a member of an Indian tribe. IHCIA defines the term Indian tribe to mean any Indian tribe, band, nation, or other organized group or community including Alaska Native Village Group or Regional regional or, re, or Village Corporation as de defined in or established pursuant to the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act, which is recognizable as eligible for the special programs and services provided by the United States to Indians because of their status as Indians. Not all self-identified American Indians, Alaska Natives are eligible for IHL services. Rather, to be eligible for IHS services, American Indians or Alaska Natives must be members of an Indian tribe or meet certain or other requirements. In general, tribal membership is determined by the tribe. Many tribes require recognized descent from a particular tribal role or membership. In tracing descent, tribes may follow parental or maternal bloodlines or both. Some tribes may require a minimum percentage of genealogical descent and others require only a proof of descent. For a few tribes, 
Congress has set membership criteria in statute. In addition to tribal membership, certain or other individuals who are also eligible for IHS services because they reside within an IHS service delivery area defined as a county where contract health services also called purchased or referred care are available, reside on taxed exempt land or have ownership of property on land which the federal government has a trust responsibility, are recognized as an Indian by the community by which they live, actively participate in tribal affairs or meet any other relevant factors in keeping with the General Bureau of Indian Affairs, BIA practices in the jurisdiction for determining eligibility. A non-Indian woman pregnant with an eligible Indian child would be eligible for care at an IHS funded facility during pregnancy and six weeks following birth, as long as paternity is acknowledged. The IHS also serves non-Indians in specific circumstances for such emergencies such as when an acute infectious disease is involved. Most IHS services are intended for members who of federally recognized tribes, but UIOs may also provide services to members of terminated tribes, tribes whose federal recognition was withdrawn by statute, or tribes that the states recognize, but are not recognized by the federal government. Members of terminated or state-recognized tribes are not eligible for services at facilities operated by the IHS as an IT or TO. So that's that's interesting right there because looking at it, that that one to me, they talk about state tribes. Aren't Hawaiians a state tribe? Essentially, they might not use so, the term, but they're a sovereign indigenous people. But but Hawaii recognizes them essentially as a state tribe, yeah. which to me, they also fall in the California Indian Health Service unit. Right. So because of Native Hawaiians, or not Native Hawaiians, but Native Americans living in Hawaii. Yeah. Fall in California are, I want to say there's three to 5,000 Native American, Alaska Native uh, living in Hawaii. Right. And that service area falls into the California service regional area. And what I'm saying is, so if Hawaii falls into that regional area and the state of Hawaii recognizes the Hawaiians by default right here, should IHS be able to operate Hawaiian facilities, which then Native Hawaiians could go to, which then Native Hawaiians as a state organization could use as evidence to provide for federal recognition from the government because they are deserving of federal recognition. Oh, completely. They, yeah, they've been, I mean, I mean, we all, what people go there is this paradise, but yet the people aren't even acknowledged there, you know? No, exactly. They're, they're not, you know, and, and, we recognize Britain, right? And Britain recognized the kingdom of Hawaii. They always recognize them as the kingdom of Hawaii. Oh, yeah. um, so why, why aren't we recognizing them as that, right? Because we conquered them as the United States speaking that way. But why can't they get these services? They should, they, they are owed these services because they didn't sign treaties. Well, why? History, because we stopped, the USA stopped making treaties. I goddamn guarantee it. The Hawaiians would have had a treaty with the U.S. if the U.S. would have still been making treaties at that time in history. I knew a guy who was on the National Indian Ed Association Planning Committee or board. He would he was uh, he was from Navajo Nation, but he the year they decided to include Native Hawaiians, he voted. Right. Um, he voted, oh, wow. yeah, and. I was like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> Sorry, but like, oh, that's, yeah. His whole reason was because of legal jargon and how American Indians and Alaska Natives are different. And and I mean, I get what he's saying, but like, if you're trying to exclude an indigenous people from what is now the United States from a conference, like, it's a little bit messed up. <laughs> It is. I mean, it really is, especially when you talk when you talk some of like the state and federal tribes, you know, when it comes to that, because of like what 
how they are recognized and how they aren't recognized. You know, that's a whole different conversation. We'll get into that one of these days. Oh yeah, other tribes or state can come to that conference, but Native Hawaiians can't. Yeah, and (laughs) exactly, it's wild. But that goes with healthcare too. You know how how healthcare system is. And now music on a Native podcast. This week, Stella Standing Bear, home runs. I'm hitting home runs. I remember when they said they didn't see something. I remember when they said I wouldn't be nothing. But I'ma keep swinging. I'ma keep swinging. I'm hitting home runs. I remember when they said they didn't see something. I remember when they said I wouldn't be nothing. But I'ma keep swinging. I'ma keep swinging. All these sleepless nights, yeah, it's on me. You got a whole team that I gotta feed. I ain't stopping till the world. To my legacy, that's all that's loving me I keep it rolling, going through the motions I got the potions, yeah, you know I'm going Cause I'm golden, and I'm chosen I'm a star, and it's my moment I'm hitting home runs I remember when they said they didn't see something I remember when they said I wouldn't be nothing But I'ma keep swinging, I'ma keep swinging I'm hitting home many and this this was done in 2015 so this number has obviously grown a little bit but it's it's close i would say it's you know it's you know give or take some you know 10 5 15 whatever you want to give or take i'll let you be the judge of that um hospitals there are 46 in total 28 of which are ihs operated and 18 of which are tribally operated uh, the ambulatory outpatient facilities, there are 606 of those. 90 of them are operated by IHS, and the other 516 are uh, operated by tribes. And that, I think, is like Crow, for example, like they down in uh, Prior, they have kind of like where you can get like your medications, your prescriptions kind of, but not, you know, you're not going to get the full services. Uh, health centers, there are 344 as of 2015. Uh, 62 of those which were IHS operated and 282 are tribally operated. School health centers, there are seven in total, three are IHS, four are tribally. And I believe those IHS ones, uh, like I think Chamawa would be considered one of those, uh, one of those. Um, Health stations, there are 105, uh, 25 of which are IHS operated and 80 which are tribally. Um, in the Alaska Village Clinics, there are 150, all managed by the tribes. Um, in total, and this is again 2015, health facilities, uh, there were 652, 118 are IHS operated, while 534 are tribally operated. Um, some of the services provided by uh, tribes, right, like by these IHS facilities are purchased and referred care um and catastrophic oh no some of the the oh that's the some health services purchased by ihs facilities that's the purchased and referred care ihs funded facilities may be purchased care through contracts <coughs> excuse me with providers called purchased care slash referred care prc 
These funds are limited because programs receive a discrete amount within IHS annual appropriation. The PRC eligibility criteria and requirements differ from those for direct services. The eligibility criteria differ in three specific ways. To be eligible for PRC, IHS beneficiaries must live in a specific geographical area called contract health service delivery areas. Um, basically, therefore, it is possible to be eligible for IHS direct services, but not live in a CHDRC. CHSDAs are determined by each tribe, which means that some tribal members may not live in the tribe's area, making them ineligible for PRC. And an IHS beneficiary may not may only receive Authorization for PRC when the IHS beneficiary has exhausted all other healthcare resources available. IHS uses a medical priority system to determine when a PRC referral will be authorized, um, as well as the Catastrophic Health Emergency Fund. The Catastrophic Health Emergency Fund, CHEF, C-H-E-F, is a component of the purchase referred care budget that provides funding to reimburse costs for certain high-cost burn victims, motor vehicle incidents, high-risk I don't know that word, and cardiology. Unlike the PRC program that is managed locally and can be managed by IT's TOs, the CHEF is centrally managed at IHS headquarters. Local PRC programs can apply to CHEF for high-cost cases that meet CHEF criteria. IHS has reported there are more cases that meet CHEF criteria than available funds. Um, and then they have some disease and condition-focused services, such as the like diabetes programs, behavioral health services, public health activities, prevention activities, sanitation facilities. Um, yeah, so they got they got quite a bit, you know, when it when it comes to IHS and 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 what they got going on. Right. Yeah, I wanted to add to that. Uh, you mentioned the Alaska Native Medical Center, which right. is such a great model. It's there in Anchorage. Um, two two good examples in the lower 48 that I've seen are both. Yeah. Idaho, surprisingly. Um, yeah. Shoshone uh, Bannock tribes in southern Idaho, they have a really unique health and wellness center. They have like a track and field attached to their center basketball courts. Like it's very like extensive outside of just medical. Um, and that's a tribally, you know, tribally run clinic. Uh, the other one I actually went to for healthcare was the Mariman Health by the Coeur d'Alene tribe. Also, right. a very good health center. Uh, they teach powwow dance courses uh, for fitness there, uh, physical activity. So um, you'll you'll have to uh, you'll have to see the little shell one. Um, oh, on powwow this year because it's a, it's actually really nice. We're gonna have to go check that out in August, but <laughs> we will. But I, I kind of one last thing because you brought it up the Alaska the Alaska Federation, like we said. Uh, there is kind of a small or yeah, a small article here on that. So the uh Don Berwick, who who ran for, and this this is an article, uh, the story of Indian health is comp and it's complicated, it complicated by history, shortages, and bouts of excellence by Mark Trahant, uh 2018. So this is a good article. Um Don Berwick, who ran the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare, has called the Indian Health Service a model of efficiency. The Indian Health Service can and will be one of the leading prototypes for healthcare in America. The Indian Health Service is trying to deliver the same or better care with half the funding or other systems in the United States. Berwick added that the very nature of the agency's underfunding has resulted in a discipline that's an example for us all. This discipline goes hand in hand with innovation. The South Central Foundation in Anchorage set out to reinvest in its program by surveying its patients. Are you sure you want to do that? CEO Catherine Gottlieb uh, was asked. I was like delighted because I knew what was the answers were going to be. I was not surprised at all when the answers came back. Long awaits, everybody hated waiting. Most of the primary care back when there was in the hospital's emergency room uh, where they handled everything from heart attacks, broken arms, strep throat to you name it. And here we are coming out in front of our, coming in with our baby just for an appointment, Gottlieb said. I, I personally waited up to seven hours waiting for an appointment just to get in the door. The South Central Foundation set on out on a new course starting with change in the language the phrase patience was swapped out for customer slash owner. We're, we are literally customers, owners, Alaska natives. Our board of directors are all Alaska natives. 18, 
when when people are hired, they are told their system is customer owned. That's part of the deal. Every patient is one of those owners. The Alaska Native Medical Center was designed with a team-based approach to healthcare that uses smaller waiting rooms so many people can be seen without long awaits. The medical team approach is different too. The team sits together without hierarchy. Members include doctors, medical assistants, nurses, care coordinators, and often a behaviorist. Customer owners can choose their own team and make changes if they're unhappy. The ideal is an integrated system and a relationship with the patients resulting in less, less return visits. In most cases, expenses increase at the end of a person's life in terms of healthcare dollars spent. What if that were reversed? What if dollars instead were invested early on prevention, focusing on early root causes of disease to prevent the development of heart disease, diabetes, depression, or domestic violence, and the treatment of root causes that can reduce the health disparities that are such, so much part of American Indian experience? Gotti Lebd has described this model as especially necessary because as the baby boom generation ages, those costs will be unaffordable. The South Central Foundation calls the, this the NUCA model. And the data back and the data back up their experience backs up their experience is what it should say. There has been a forty percent reduction in emergency room and urgent care visits, a fifty percent decrease in specialty care visits, a twenty percent decrease in primary care visits, and more than thirty five percent decrease in admissions. Staff turnover has dropped dramatically, and at the overall rating by customers of their care standards with a score of ninety one point seven percent. The NUCA model is not about money. We still have a poorly funded IHS system. We are not fully funded, claimed Gottlieb. In fact, she said, the government has not fulfilled the treaty trust obligations to the American Indians and Alaska Natives. South Central system is about 45% funded by the American Healthcare Service, 50% from aggressive billing or third-party insurers or Medicaid, and the remaining 5% from foundation or other government grants. You won't find... Anything in Indian country like this campus, says Douglas Ebby, the Alaska Native Medical Center's Vice President for Medical Services. This is the less direct funding from IHS, and this is by far the biggest and most sophisticated campus in the United in the Indian health system. It is also uh, but far is also far better than most of the variety of reasons, ranging from leadership to the structure and resources of the Alaska Native corporations. We are smart enough to say we need to optimize revenue. We and we've done very well at doing that, Evie said. By but the growth in population, people moving in from the villages, flat funding from IHS and healthcare being such a wasteful business drove the rethinking of the business model. Our real hope lies in controlling costs, doing things smarter, better, avoiding healthcare costs and what as much as possible. When you consider historical trauma coupled with persistent underfunding by the federal government, it is remarkable to think of any healthcare facility accomplish, accomplishing innovation. The Indian Health Service, tribal health centers, nonprofits, and urban centers are tasked with delivering healthcare so health service. Tribal health centers, nonprofits, and urban centers are tasked with delivering healthcare at a fraction of the cost spent anywhere else in America. And yes, sometimes that falls short, sometimes dramatically so, as in the case at the Winnebago Hospital. But that story has been told so often, we forget that there's another one. The narrative of excellence, innovation, and creative creativity in a system that remains critically underfunded. And that is the, the, the native healthcare uh, system. It is underfunded and people are doing their best because that's what Indian country does. It does its best. Uh, no matter where you're at, you go to these facilities, these places, you, you'll see the men and women on the ground doing their best because they care. They care about their local communities and those people that come into those facilities. Um, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't. Um, Kind of running short on time. Is there any kind of final things you wanted to say about healthcare, Matthew? Hey, I, I think we I think we covered a lot of the uh, nuts and bolts of it. I think um, you know, again, there there's it, it seems like every few months I'll see on native news online or something, there's a new tribe with a new healthcare facility. Um, you know, it's just great to see, you know, some upgrades happening. Uh, some of the more rural areas of the Northern Plains, Alaska, getting some of this stuff now. Um, that's going to continue. You know, we got some natives in D.C. now, so that really yeah. helps. Really helps. We got some heavy hitters up there. 
so no it does it really does help and it's needed it's good to see it and it's good to see indian country doing well for once you know because it's it you hear you hear the elders you hear the older people speak and they say you know like i i hear it quite a bit this this one is the the back in my day it wasn't proud to be native but now we're proud to be native and it's kind of crazy to see that and hear that in our lifetimes people that we know say that um so it's really cool to be here to to say that no like we are proud we are proud to be native we're here and we're going to keep calling you out u.s government when you fucking don't honor our treaty rights and you can go back a couple episodes on a native podcast with matt and zach to see what those treaties entitled and talk about that some more because we you know that's the agreements we agreed let's honor them give us our health care the way we deserve it you know i shouldn't be paying for my finger <laughs> in reality, but i am um and i did because uh, I'm not going to be sent to collections because that's not cool. But other than that, you know, you guys can uh, reach out to us at gng at gng.net. Uh, that's gng at gng.net, N-E-T. Um, and you can reach out. We have some stickers. Maybe we'll send you some stickers. Who wants a cool sticker to set set out? Uh, maybe, maybe Matt will write you a poem. Who knows? Uh, any kind of final words of wisdom for the viewers, Matthew? uh no i think i i think this this is a good one this is a much needed um you know we need to have more of these discussions you know i think right now it's good to see some of these other areas like i mentioned uh behavioral health uh, nutrition traditional foods is a big one right now uh with the bison you know just and sometimes it comes down to making better choices and you know lifestyle changes and to, stuff too it's hard but you know, you keep doing it, it adds up. So well, and hopefully we can get a few healthcare professionals on here that are, you know, maybe an Indian country doctor, nurse, you know, definitely email us if you want to be interviewed on a native podcast. We'd love to hear from you um, and hear your story and hear your community and what you're doing. Cause you know, Indian country is full of awesome people. So why not tell those awesome stories? Um, and, and here's the place to do it. But other than that, guys, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. You know, again, we're, we are doing this free of charge. Everyone we speak to, it's free. Our research is free. We're not doing this paid. We're not by any grants or anything like that. This is just Matt and I getting bored, learning about ourselves, um, bettering our lives. No, <laughs> having fun with it is exactly what we're doing. Because this is fun. It's fun to talk about. And it's needed, you know. When you look at the education of, of Indian people, it's not taught in our schools the way it needs to be taught. And there are these things like today, example, the histories, right? We There's all these different acts and these or, you know things that happened to set up just the healthcare system within Indian country. And even how some of those acts affect other aspects of Indian country. And we will unfold those as time goes on. But until next time, everybody, bye-bye. On my back, daily drumming when I sing, man, there ain't no way around it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. a native podcast is produced by Gingy Advertising and Quartz Lake Productions.